again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We're pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. We are taught this week by lead teacher Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. I know many of you have been here through the years, and you know that we've had a tradition here for a long, long time that that we make this a very special time for our children, particularly 10 or so and younger. I want to make sure that they come here and they get something very special, not just for them, but with them as a primary audience. And so as we do that, we have a little tradition that we allow them to uh, earn a little money if they'd like and be able to learn at the same time. And so what I'm going to do a little bit later I'll invite a few of the kids here. We'll do a little random draw. We'll bring a few up, and we'll walk through the things that I've said and just see how much can be retained. And so we'll be doing that. I'm going to invite you that are parents, you do the same thing for the kids who don't get invited up. I know we don't have as many kids here at this particular hour, but we've got enough. And so we're going to bring a few up here, and we will do that. So parents, you participate. And so that means you've got to listen, too, because you've got to know what you're going to ask them to see if they understood what I said. So everybody wins in this situation, okay? So don't be a Scrooge. Let's, uh, let's do this thing, all right? Now, I'm going to make it real easy for you kids this year. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Every time I come to something that you need to remember in terms of being able to answer a question up here or to your parents, I will say hint, hint. All right. That tells you if you want to pull out a piece of paper and write or parents, if you want to know how to ask some of these questions, you may want to write out too, but hint, hint. There it is. All right. Now, the title of this tonight is the Christmas pursuit. So kids, when I use the term pursuit, it's talking about when you go after something, it'd be like if you needed an A on a particular course that you're taking, You would pursue your studies. You would pursue getting a certain grade. You go after it. Let me tell you, Christmas is really God's invitation to mankind to pursue, hint, hint, Jesus. So when you get asked about pursuit on Christmas, know this. It is about the pursuit of who? Kids? Jesus. You got it. All right? Now, here's what's interesting. We have the accounts in the Bible, several different accounts of the Christmas story. The primary one probably is, uh, you could go between Luke and Matthew, but the, the Matthew account is an interesting one. The Matthew account found in Matthew chapter 1 has three parts to it. You can divide it up basically into these three. Now, kids, you don't have to remember these three. That won't be so important, but it might help you understand, all of us, this whole text. Because when you get this story, 17 verses, the first 17 verses are on the genealogy. It's, 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 it's really telling the story of the families that lead up to Jesus. So what we're talking about there is we're talking about so-and-so is the father of so-and-so or the son of so-and-so and the son of so-and-so, and you just work right down. So it'll be like, my father is so-and-so, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. 
And so it puts it all together there. That is, that's the genealogy. Now, after the genealogy, you have the conception. Now, kids, that refers to the forming of the baby in Mary in her womb, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so you have some explaining there about the conception of Jesus. You come to the third part, and the third part is about the prophecy and the birth of Jesus. Prophecy is just referring to a prediction. Think of it somebody predicting this is going to happen. It's actually declaring that something will happen in the future, and it does happen. It's a prophecy, and then the story of the birth. Now, hint, 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 all right? Because there are going to be three words you want to remember. And each one is tagged with one of those three sections of Scripture. The genealogy. It's going to be tagged with the word real. And what we find in the genealogy is the fact that Jesus is real. So I'm going to put that up first. Jesus is real. Take just a second. Jesus is real. Kids, that's what you want to remember. Hint, hint. Okay? That will be asked. Jesus is first real. How do we know that? Because of the genealogy. Number two. Second is that Jesus is supernatural. That's the second thing we learn about Jesus in this great picture, the story of Christmas. It's that Jesus is super, meaning beyond, big, large, natural, that which you can see, touch, and feel. It's supernatural. And so there's the conception, the forming of Jesus in the womb by the Holy Spirit. Not by Joseph, but by the Holy Spirit. That, if that happened, and we believe it did, then it would be certainly supernatural. Number three, you come to the third portion of the prophecy about Jesus' birth and then the birth itself. And there we have the third, and that is Jesus is with us. It, it goes along with the naming of Jesus, and he is with us by name. Actually, we're going to read, we're going to learn the name that says God with us. Now, if you want to understand Christmas, parents, if you want to have a time with your kids and make it as simple as you want to make it and say, here's the Christmas story, then these three truths will change a kid's life forever if they embrace it. It'll change your and mine as adults. And that is number one, that he is real. Number two, he's supernatural. Number three, he is with us. So there it is. Kids, let's see if we can just remember those three words. The first one is what? Real. The second one is what? Supernatural. Supernatural. And the third is what? With us. You got it. Very good. We got some energetic good ones right over here, I can tell. <laughs> All right, now, here's what we want to do for the minutes we have left. We want to understand it. We don't just want to know those three things, but we want to understand it. And so, let me put it this way. The genealogy is given so that it may literally ground in history the true reality of Jesus. There's a, a man that many of you would know the name if you've been involved in, in uh, Christianity very long or very much in depth. He's one of the great teachers of today and, uh, and preachers of God's Word. His name is Tim Keller. 
Uh, Tim is a, a part of our Presbyterian Church in America, which we're a part. He and I have been uh, good friends for years and years and years. We get together every year and spend three days, just about 10 of us just talking and so forth. And, and so uh, he sent a book that he has just come out with this year. I highly recommend it. And uh, it's called Hidden Christmas. And so I was forming this message and trying to put it all together and so forth and so on. And, and I noticed that there is, a, uh, there is a, a chapter in there about the genealogy. Tremendous insights. I would encourage you to get it. I'll give you just a few of those insights that uh, he just uh, so well articulates. But just in a, a couple of minutes, I want you to understand this thing, the genealogy, why it's so important. You see, when you and I read the account in Matthew, it's very easy, and some of you may believe this, that it's really just a fairy tale. It's a, it's a, it's a legend of some sort. No, because we have the genealogy. There was a real Jesus there was a man who lived named Jesus. Now, we see a fairy tale, and you know what happens in a fairy tale. The way it happens is there's always this, this you know, wicked somebody that comes along, and they, and they put some kind of spell or curse on everybody, and then everything is bad for them, and, and then the, the noble prince comes in and sweeps in against what the evil sorcerer has done, and, and all of the the, uh, the, the bad stuff that goes with it. And, and he just takes those people and he pulls them out of the fire, so to speak, and then they go forever and they fly off, never die, live happily ever after. You could easily read this account throughout the Scripture about Jesus and what he did and say, okay, here it is. We have this evil enchantment that has you know, been placed by this evil sorcerer and call the devil and now all these people are in trouble because of their sin and then here comes the noble prince Jesus and he comes along and he rescues everybody and we fly off and live in eternity forever and ever everything's good no sin no problem all is good it would be very easy to do that except we do have a genealogy we have a genealogy that says now this man lived say of him what you want but there is a real Jesus very very important Tim offers some great insights into in that whole thing. Here's a quote that he makes. I, I'll, I'll read it. I like what he says. When he says, the gospel, because it is a true story, means all the best stories, my words, legends, and tales, will be proved in the ultimate sense to be true. All of these stories, you know what they really are. It's just the reality of what is and the reflection of it in stories. And I'm going to suggest to you it is the real. It's Jesus. He is real. By the way, do you know embedded in that, in that genealogy are some incredibly important things that we need to know? Do you know, one, that even through the genealogy, that we can know that there is hope for the hopeless, even in the genealogy? You know why? Kids, listen to this. Do you know that a genealogy, so-and-so is the father, so-and-so, and the son, and so forth, all of that in ancient days was used as somewhat of a resume and what you would do is you would take the genealogy and you would use that to kind of show who you are. So what they would do, it was very, very common in that day, is you would cherry pick and you would pull this name out because that guy was a scoundrel. He was not too good. And I'm going to pull this person out. They wouldn't be right. So, and they make it look pretty good. Do you know the way God's account goes? It does just the opposite. I mean, it leaves in there not just scoundrels, hint, hint scoundrels. If you can remember that word, or morally bad people, anything you want to say, if you get asked that question, 
you remember this is what is so good about this particular genealogy. Do you know that the person in there who is the most well-known, thought-of person in all of the Old Testament, King David, he's in the lineage. Do you know he was one of the most immoral people by some of the things that he did? He, I mean, he actually did some of the worst things you can do in life. But he was included. Outsiders throughout, cultural outsiders of that day and age, gender outsiders, uh, racial outsiders. I mean, it's amazing. It's just stuffed with people where you go, this is the family of Jesus? All to say this, if you're thinking, any of you are thinking, oh, I'm too bad. I've done too many things. I could never, I could never, I couldn't be accepted by God. Oh, yes, you can. Anyone is welcome into the family of God. Very interesting. There's a second insight that's a little bit more interesting, challenging in this regard. There's a great truth embedded in that, and that is that Jesus is our ultimate rest. You know how you know that? If you read the account, 17 verses long, I won't read it, but if you read it, it says that there is, it starts with Abraham, and it says there are 14 generations until you come to David. You come to David, and there are 14 generations to the exile. And then after the exile, there's 14 generations until Jesus. Do you know that's interesting? That's given for a reason, 14, 14, and 14. You, you do the math, and, and what you're, you're doing is you, you've got six sevens in there, and seven is a very important number in the Bible. You're not reading into the Bible to get this. It really is there for a good reason. Because what you have in the Bible, by the way, kids, think about this. What did God do on the seventh day? What did he do? He rested, didn't he? Do you know if you go in the Old Testament and you go to the Mosaic law, do you know that on the seventh year, the seventh year, you couldn't plant anything in your vineyards or in your, your farmland. You had to let it rest. You saved up something for six years so you could eat and so forth, and you didn't do anything in the soil as a farmer because the soil, the land, needed to rest. When you get to the book of Leviticus, an interesting thing. Have you ever heard of the Jubilee, the year of Jubilee? The 49th year, when there's seven sevens, it's the Jubilee. And at that time, after those 49, you know what you have to do? All slaves at that time, they had slaves. They had to be released. They had to be released. Freedom for all. Do you know what happened to the people who were in debt? Their debt was forgiven totally. All of this a picture of this future eternal rest where our spiritual debt is gone. We don't have any that we're totally free because God has freed his people. And what you have is Jesus is the beginning of the seventh seven. It's saying he's the jubilee, meaning he is the one that gives us rest. Some of y'all remember that because there are going to be times, kids, I'll tell you, you're going to grow up and you're going to say, what's wrong? I'm, I'm weary. I just, I'm trying to get God to like me. I'm doing everything I know to do. And maybe you'll just remember, uh-oh, no, Jesus, he's the one that frees us. He's the one that takes our debt away. The beauty of the gene genealogy. Now, here's the reality. Jesus is real. Kids, just remember that. Jesus is a real person. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a legend. All right? Let's move to the second word. The second word is what, kids? 
Supernatural. All right, supernatural. You can use regular voice. Um, I love your enthusiasm. That's all right. Jesus is supernatural. Let's read the text. 18 through 21 says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. All right, here's a hint, hint. Jesus. Do you know what the word Jesus means? God is salvation. Hint, hint. Jesus means God is salvation. This is the supernatural. It begins with an angel. There you go. Even if you have an angel only, we're talking supernatural. You don't see angels. I don't see angels. Do we believe they exist? Better question, do we even believe in the supernatural? If you don't believe in the supernatural, do you know you're in the very, very small minority of people who live in the United States for sure? Gallup has done a poll. The vast, vast, vast majority believe in the supernatural. There's an organization, Live Science. They've done research in this. They say 71% of all Americans have actually, at least this is what they say, experienced some form of the paranormal. In other words, para alongside that which is normal. That's supernatural. They said they've had experience with the supernatural. So why would we say, oh, well, the supernatural couldn't happen? No, we believe in the supernatural. So here's an angel. And the angel does what the angel does, and, and we say, wow, an angel spoke to them. That's pretty cool. But the great supernatural is this thing called Jesus. Salvation is of God. This Jesus comes in the womb of Mary, and it's a supernatural conceiving. You believe that? You wouldn't believe it if you didn't believe in the supernatural. But if you did believe in the supernatural and you believed in God, why would we say that couldn't happen? The supernatural. Do you know, if it can happen to Mary, the supernatural she could encounter, why couldn't any of God's followers experience the supernatural? I believe in the supernatural. I see experiences of it not every day in an unusual, dramatic way, but I do see some even dramatic stories of the supernatural. You know, just three months, within three months ago, I was at a gathering of, of Christian leaders from the Atlanta area. There were a whole bunch of us there. I didn't know most of them. One man came up to me and introduced himself, and he said, I don't know if you recall, but you called me back, and he named when it was just a little while back. He said, you called me. You didn't know me. I've been embarrassed that I haven't called you back kind of ashamed at kind of the way I'd responded and so forth. He said, I'll tell my story. He said, I'm the one you called about my son who had had a tragic accident and was left completely brain damaged, no memory whatsoever. My son, by his age, I would assume high school age, I don't know. See, my son has no memory of anything. He has no memory of me, his mother, his family, any place we've ever gone. 
He's been through Emory, the whole thing, and they say there's nothing we can do. It's just, this is life. And I've been a bitter man. And he said, I was taking a walk at 10 in the morning, and you called me. And not knowing me, you introduced said, hey, I heard about, I just wanted to tell you, I'd like to pray for you right now. And he said, well, I was appreciative that you would do that, but you said this. You said, I want to pray right now for his total and complete healing, for full recall. He said, I took the phone, and this is what I'm embarrassed to say. I took the phone, and I dropped it to my side, and I said, you just go ahead and pray. Not where you could hear it, but that's what I said. You just pray all you want to pray. And I listened to your prayer, and I was appreciative, and I said, thank you, and that was it. He said, 12 o'clock, that was 10. At 12 o'clock, I picked up my son to take him for lunch. We're going out to a place that we've been so many times. We've seen this place. He has no recollection of it. We're walking in, and before we do, a car pulls up and says, excuse me, man, could, could one of you give me any help? I, I need to find a, a, a gas station, and I'm new right here. Could you tell me where there might be one? And he said, before I could say a word, my son, this is two hours after we prayed, my son turns around and says, yeah, if you'll go three blocks down to Mulberry, take a right, then you will see a gas station right down on your left. He said, I nearly fell on the ground. And he said, from that moment on, he's had absolutely perfect recall. He's had no issue. We've taken it back to Emory. They've examined. They say, he's good to go. Everything's normal. Was that natural? Was it supernatural? Did God have something to do with that? And we could argue the case. Well, who can't prove anything? But why wouldn't we believe in the supernatural of God if we believe in supernatural at all? And so here's the story, here's the great story of Christmas. Jesus is real and Jesus is supernatural. And by the way, you hear a story like this, well, that's fabulous. I love to hear stories of healing. I'm not a healer. I don't see a lot of people healed in that dramatic way. But I'll say this, there is a much more significant supernatural, and that's what we call the salvation of people, where hearts are changed forever. How are they changed? What is the supernatural? Well, believe it or not, what the Bible teaches, I believe it, is that everybody has a broken, irreparable nature. It's a sin nature. And because of that, we can't really know God. And God has to supernaturally put his spirit in us, even as supernaturally as he has to in Mary to place his son. We have to have Christ's spirit to come in us. And when that happens supernaturally, we have the ability to overcome sin in a new way. Well, how do you get that? What's required? Do you know what's required? It's coming to the place saying, hey, I believe I have that you know, irreparable sin nature and I can't do anything to fix it. And to say, I believe, Jesus, that you could do it if you gave me a new nature. And then trusting him to let his work on the cross pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. And he gives us that new nature and we can be changed people. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. I'd like for you to watch the story, just for a few minutes, of Orlando and his wife, Deborah, members of this church, the Jones. They really had, I think, a supernatural work of God. I want you to just give it a few minutes' attention and see what you think. Watch. 
I was raised uh, with my grandparents. My mother, she had had a nervous breakdown. And a lot of things happened in my life that a young child should not have to experience. A lot of those things led me into a life of, of drugs and alcohol. And I had been using for years, and my wife was tired of the situation, and she said that we would have to separate. One particular Sunday, we was headed to church, and she said those words. So after the service, I was at my wit's end, and I was willing to do anything that I needed to do to, to keep my family. So I went down front, and Randy happened to be there on that particular Sunday. And when I got to him, I was just bawling and told him about the anxiety that I had, the depression that I was dealing with, as well as uh, my wife wanted to separate. And at that point, he prayed for me. After Randy prayed with me, I was introduced to the Stephen ministry. And it was one particular gentleman who was like a father to me. And not only that, but I was also introduced to Celebrate Recovery. Several weeks later, I was in my first drug rehabilitation facility. I was broken. I had lost everything. But then through Celebrate Recovery and through Christ, I found that, you know, everyone's a sinner. And the bad things that happen in my life, if I surrender them, God will use them for good. And when I found that out, uh, it was just so wonderful. It was a weight lifted off of my, my shoulders. December 31st, 2014, um, after a lengthy separation, I had made the decision that I didn't want to go into a new year in this um, limbo. Uh, she told me, she said, well, you know, I think I just want a divorce. And all the other times it was like, no, nah, no, nah, please just give me a chance. And I was trying to deal with the situation myself instead of just giving it all to God. At that point, you know, he simply said okay and um, asked if he could take the kids and I out for dinner. Um, so we went out to dinner after dinner. Um, you know, um, I began feeling sick. I began having some very severe chest pains. And when I said that, okay, fine, as soon as I let go, literally let God, two hours later she got sick and uh, she had blood clots in her lungs. Yes, I had made the decision to finally, you know, divorce him. That was my decision. I was just, I guess, feeling my control, my power, trying to take that back. But um, in that instant, God actually took all my power away <laughs> and all, all of the control that I thought I had. And through that, God showed her the new person that I was, that he had made me to be. And I had to take control of, of uh, my, the children and, and be there for her. It really um, allowed me to take a second look and, and even consider reconciling. He is a totally different person. It's like night and day. He is definitely a spiritual leader in our house. I've seen God actually repair the relationship that, you know, he had with his kids and he is a loving and caring husband. He actually lifts me up. I enjoy speaking to others about the bad things or the negative things that have happened in my life and how uh, only through Christ, you know, I was able to, to live a different life and, and to really be born again. So Christmas means everything to me, uh, not only because I'm, I'm re 
reunited with my family, which I thank God for and I love dearly. But mainly, uh, Christ was born in my life. Uh, I realized that he came and, and he died for me and that the bad things do not define who I am. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that while yet I was a sinner, you know, that he loves me and that he's here for me. So I just surrender every day to him and just live at peace, uh, knowing that you know, God is able to, to use the bad things in my life for his glory. You know, it's a great story, but hey. I just want you to know that as wonderful a story as that is, that that story, that type of story is happening throughout this church. There are so many. I have the privilege of nearly every week sitting at lunch with some man who is just kind of tired of looking at life just the way people look at life and saying, I'm ready to investigate. And they may have every opposition in the world against the things that I would believe. But I'll tell you this, regardless of who it is or how, I bet you over the years now, I don't remember anybody who at the end didn't say, you know what, thank you. I needed to hear that. I needed to understand this. Because if there's any chance that Jesus is real, and that Jesus is the supernatural, and now number three, that Jesus is with us, then I think I need to look into it. So let's look at that last little piece, Jesus being with us. Look at the text, 22 through 25. It says this, Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name, hint, hint, Emmanuel, which means, translated, God with us. Do you know my wife for 30 years, I don't know how many years of these Christmas Eve services, weeks beforehand, Randy, what are you preaching on? Christmas Eve, I don't know yet. I'm kind of still kind of formulating. Hey, I got an idea for you, Randy. Why don't you preach on Emmanuel, God with us? Why don't you just focus on that? I said, that is a great idea, and I've never done it. This year, she's saying, man, I don't know when this is ending. You need to get on the Emmanuel. And so I started, okay, let me look at that. Oh, my goodness. I said, Carol, why is this so important to you? She said, because as you know, a year ago or whenever, she said, I went through the whole Bible in one year reading it. And I looked for one thing. Every time God gave a promise and said, I will be with you, Emmanuel and said, man, it changed me. It gave me insight into what God is doing for his people, and it is so important people know that. He is Emmanuel. Hey, by the way, you need to know this. It does not mean you get whatever you ask for. It doesn't mean that if you've got a marriage problem and you just say, okay, God, and then your marriage is going to be made right. It's not going to say that when you pray for somebody with brain injury, oh, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to turn out good. No, but let me tell you what it does mean. Kids, please know that. That's not what God has promised. He said, I'll promise you this. If God is with you, really with you, then you can know this, that God will make sure that you have what's best for you, 
what's needed for you to have the best life possible. And he does that in different ways. Not always giving us what we want. So what happens when he doesn't give us what we want? And we say, I think for me to be happy, I'd have to have, and God hasn't. And I wish if this would happen, then I could be happy. No, 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 no. You've got to think of it like an upgrade. Upgrade. Now, if you know anything about flying, if you get on a flight and you've, uh, here would be my approach. I'd say, I want to get a flight booked early enough that I get the seat of my choice. I want a left-handed aisle. I'm left-handed. I want to be able to write while I'm on the flight. And so I need that. I want to get early in coach because I want to be up at the front and make sure there's plenty of room for luggage because I don't want them to check my luggage and me have to go get it. So I want to make sure. So I'm going to get there early enough to stand in the front of the coach class that I'm in. I want to be able to do that. So then let's assume that this happens. That I'm ready to go up, and I go up to the first in line. I've got my little carry-on. I'm in good shape. I've got the aisle, and I hand the lady or the man my ticket, and I say, here I am. And the person says, the attendant says, um, excuse me, Mr. Pope, if you could just hold back for a minute. We have a little debate going on about your, there's some things happening with your ticket, so I think if you'll just hold back. And I'm going, hold back? No, 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 don't do that to me. No, sir, you need to go hold back. So I'm back there, and I'm watching these people pour on and go, there goes my seat. I'll be in the middle. There goes my luggage. I'll be waiting for it at the airport. What is going on? Why does this have to happen? And finally, everybody's on, and I go up and say, can I get on now? And say, yeah, sorry about the delay, Mr. Pope, but somebody actually paid to upgrade you, and you're in business class, and that's why we had to hold you off. That is not a true story, by the way. But I love the illustration <laughs> because do you understand that's what happens if God is with us, not otherwise, but if God is with us, He's always, always caring for His people. That's His promise throughout the Bible. And when that happens, you know that whatever difficulty comes your way, you have no control of it. It happens to you and you say, this is the worst thing. I want you to remember this, kids upgrade. There's an upgrade coming. You might not see it now, but there's an upgrade coming. You got the three words now? All right. We're going to now do this. We're going to close, and I'm going to say a word just quickly to Christians that are here and to seekers seeking to understand the faith. First of all, believers. Tell, let me ask you this. What's your greatest need for God to be with you right now is your great need more than anything else healing physical or emotional or maybe it's relational healing that's what you need more than anything as you see or is it provision is it financial that you need finances or a job or something or is it is it maybe peace because you've got this issues going on of anxiety and fear or whatever and you can't get over those things what is it that you need? If you understand Christmas this year, you're going to remember, hey, wait, Jesus is real, and Jesus is supernatural, and he's with me. Therefore, God may do the supernatural. Don't give up on him. But if he doesn't, as you've requested in the supernatural, you've got the hope of knowing, hey, there's an upgrade coming. I haven't seen yet why, but there's an upgrade coming. Talk to Christians who walk with God for a long time, and they'll tell you it's true. 
when you look back you go oh my goodness look look at the upgrade because of what I hated the most seeker the one thing I would say you would need for Christmas I hope you would agree if you're a seeker what you need is God with us if God can be with you don't you want him with you of course what do you do you go to the cross and you begin to see him but you know what sometimes you just need something to help you in your pursuit to help kind of kick start it or keep it going I saw that with men I was meeting with for years and years and I said you know there's certain things that I say that I just find are so helpful in people in their pursuit of Jesus and to put it in a little book and it's called the answer and the answer is like less than a hundred pages they're little pages big margins small chapters I mean like most anybody here could read it even the men you could read this <laughs> and so I I just put that stuff in a little book and I would love for you to take a copy of it it'll be out as you leave it'll be in each of the four areas as you leave you'll see it on tables or whatever and somebody handed it out grab one we'd like to ask you to be for our guest only it would be one per family but take one it'd be our gift to you see if it doesn't help you uh, listen to this I had a I had a, a, a man to email here the church and it came to me and, and the email was simply telling his story that he was a man who in control he said I was in control of everything and I was so successful and I allowed that success to to reinforce how much in control I was he said, then as it happened, he says, all the praise and admiration that was coming to me, it just didn't fulfill. And I started searching and went to stuff, and he said, bottom line was, my life went adrift, and I became estranged from my wife and my kids. And he said, then I came to a Christmas Eve service, and I'd like to read just the last few statements of his email. He said, well, God works in mysterious ways. It was at a Christmas, at a Christmas Eve service. You gave the answer. Let me see how it reads. You gave the answer to guests who cared to pick up, to pick it up as they left the service. You gave your gift at a point where I needed the answer more than I've ever needed anything. I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. I read it twice. Then followed the suggestion to read the Gospel of John. My life was changed forever. It's as if God reached his hand into my heart and pressed control alt. Uh, alter and delete then reset my purpose the truth found in the answer changed my life I am blessed I've now come to know this man and he is walking with God I'm telling you I would love for you to get help if this could be of help please take one now what I'd like to do in closing is just to to pray for you I'd like to pray for you as you that I pastor I'd like to pray as your pastor uh, for you that are here is guest. Let me be your surrogate pastor just for a, an evening. And I'd like to pray for you as if you were a part of this very family. And I want to ask that God would show himself real, supernatural, and with you at this Christmas like never before. So let's pray, and then I'll bring the kids up to close out. Father in heaven, we do ask you that you would allow every person here that's needing healing who's needing provision who's needing peace and even those who need salvation would you grant that this Christmas would be a time where there would be an embracing with conviction that you're real that you're supernatural and that you truly are with us whatever we need 
you're there. May we believe in the upgrade that's coming. May we trust you. Would you allow people to go to the cross and see the living Christ who now shed his blood and now reigns through his spirit in hearts? Would you grant that? May there be many Orlando stories, many Deborah stories that are going on throughout this year, even because we were here. And lastly, I pray for these kids. God, let these kids, let them grow up knowing that you are real, supernatural, and you are with them. Grant that, we pray, in the name of Christ, amen. All right, here's the go, kids. We've got to close our time up here. I need to get a couple of you up here, and so I'm going to start with uh, uh, September. I'm just picking a, a, a random date. September, any of you 6 through 10... 6 through 10, think you can answer the question that would like to come up who has a September birthday. You have a September birthday? Come on up. I like that. Very good. All right. I need another. We got anybody else? 6 through 10? All right. You come on up. I'm going to take one more. I'm going to take one more. Got anybody else with a September birthday? How about an October? All right. We got you. Very good. All right. Now let's uh, do this. Ms. Laura's going to help, and I want you to always speak into the, the microphone, okay? And answer, or first of all, give us your name, first and last name, okay? Seth Routley. What is it? Seth Routley. Seth. All right. Seth. Whoa, whoa, we're getting too many here. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Do you know at the 4 o'clock I had seven kids come up here? <laughs> I am broke. I am absolutely broke. All right. So it's Seth, right? I'm going to put you down there. All right. And then what's your name? Here, put. Zane Routley. Zane? All right. Zane. I got you. All right. And what's your name? Haley Benford. Haley. Got you. Haley. What's your name? Jerome Yang. Jerome. All right. Jerome. All right. The reason I'm writing your name down is in case I ever need to get any of the money back, I'm coming back to find out who has my money, okay? So actually, let's do this. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Y'all stand over there where most people can see, and I want you to turn, and I want you to look at the screen, and you're going to get the questions. So it's going to be, Seth, you first. I'll read it and see if you can give me the answer, all right? Here's question number one. Our title is The Christmas Pursuit. And I said, the Christmas story is a public invitation to pursue someone. Who is it that we pursue? Jesus. Jesus. All right. Let's give him a hand. Way to go. All right. Seth's got one. All right, Zane, here's question number two. The genealogy of Jesus tells us the first of three things about Jesus. What is the first? Three words I gave you. What's the first one? God is with us. No, that was not it. So let's go to Haley. How about you, Haley? The first one, what was it? God is real. All right, God is real. Very, very good. Let's give a hand. All right. All right, next question. We're going to go to uh, Jerome, okay? Here it is. It's going to be a tough one here. The genealogy of Jesus tells us that there is hope for the hopeless. The reason is because of the kind of people included in it. What kind of people are included? And any word that helps us understand what kind of people in the genealogy, do you remember that, would give us hope? Have any idea? No? 
All right, let's try Seth. Do you know? Scoundrels. Scoundrels. All right. Very good. All right, let's go to the next one. And that would be to, who's got the last one? At the end? Oh, so I'm, I'm going to go to Zane. You, right, you, Zane? All right. All right, hang on on this one, okay? I really think you can do this. The genealogy of Jesus, uh, the genealogy of Jesus tells us there are three sets of 14 generations between Abraham and Jesus, which is six sets of sevens. Jesus starts, I'm doing this so you can learn, all right? <laughs> Jesus starts the seventh seven. In the Bible, what does the seventh of something represent? So, Zane, what does the seventh represent? Okay. What does seven mean in the Bible? Do you remember when I said seven always represents what? Rest. We've got a little cheating going on up here. I bet she didn't even write all those songs. I bet she didn't. All right, so rest. Next one. <laughs> the conception of Jesus tells us the second of the three things about Jesus. And I think this is Haley. What, uh, what is it? Jesus the is supernatural. Supernatural. All right. Very good. All right, next question. Number six, what does the name Jesus mean? And I'm going to go to you, Jerome. What does the name Jesus mean? Do you remember? This is a hard one. It means. That's a hard one. I, I, we'll see if any of you got it. Seth, do you know it? What is it? God. Is God is what? God is salvation. God is salvation. All right. Wow. All right, Zane, I got one for you. This is not going to be too hard, I don't think. The prophecy and birth of, of Jesus tells us the third of three things about Jesus. What is the third thing? Do you remember the third word? The first was real, the second was supernatural. What was the third one? God is with us. With us. All right. Very good. All right. Next one, about to the end now. What is the name of Jesus that means God is with us? So that would be you, Haley. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Very good. All right. Jerome, here we go. What is the title of the book I'm giving away? Now, I never said hint, hint on this one. So I just need to find out, do you know the name of the book I'm giving away? Do you remember it? Don't remember that one? How about you, Seth? Do you remember? Christmas Pursuit. No. How about you, Zane? Do you know? Zane, I'm not going to help you with the answer to this one. <laughs> so you're going to have to come up with the answer on your own. You know? The answer. All right, the answer. All right. The way I see the math here is that, first of all, you all get $5 for just participating. So here's you five. Here's you five. Here's you five. Here's you five. And there's you nothing. Now, at the same time, by winning by one point, Haley... 
you get an extra five, okay? Let's give these kids a hand. All right, you guys can be seated. Thanks a lot for being a part of it. Hey, parents, do it with your kids. Let me tell you, make learning the truth an enjoyable thing. Give reward to when they give good effort to that. I'm telling you, most important thing in the world. The way I see the math here is that, first of all, you all get $5 for just participating. So here's you five, here's you five, here's you five, here's you five, and there's you nothing. Now, at the same time, by winning by one point, Haley, you get an extra five, okay? Let's give these kids a hand. All right, you guys can be seated. Thanks a lot for being a part of it. Hey, parents, do it with your kids. Let me tell you, make learning the truth an enjoyable thing. Give reward to when they give good effort to that. I'm telling you, most important thing in the world. We're going to do this now. We're going to close by singing Silent Night. It's a tradition that's been in the church worldwide for many, many years. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.